Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, I'm joined by Tracy Belt, the Editorial Director of Realtrends, to talk about the real estate teams and brokerages that placed on the Inc. 5000 and how those compare to the Realtrends rankings. We'll also be talking about some changes we're seeing in the real estate market. Tracy, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, it's been a while and boy, lots of real estate news going on over at Real Trends and on Housing Wire. So, so happy to have you on. Um, let's talk about the fact that this week we published a lot about which companies made the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing companies in America. And it, I think it's really interesting to look at that list and put it up against some of the rankings that we do uh, with real trends. So we'd love to talk about, uh, l- let's just dive right in there, like some of the top on the on the Inc. 5000 list versus what they look like in our rankings. Yeah, so um, the Inc. 5000 does things a lot differently than Real Trends does. Um, they include all sales. We only include residential sales transactions. And uh, I'm not sure what their verification process is. I know that we do a third-party verification um, of the numbers. So it was really interesting how they also don't differentiate between brokerages and teams. So the 5000 list was filled with a lot of really great companies and a lot of really great teams as well. So I thought that was interesting. There was a, definitely um, some corollary to our rankings, such as United Real Estate Group, Lamakia Realty, Professional Realty Services International Realty Group, um, and several others. And then, of course, a lot of the teams also ranked on the Real Trends, the Thousand or Nation's Best. Um, But the number one brokerage that was ranked on Inc. Magazine's 5,000 list did not make our 1,000 list. Um, It's Dash Carolina. And, um, you know, obviously, they're a great company with a huge growth rate. And it probably is in some sales other um, other than residential as well. So I thought that was a really interesting take. And I am definitely going to be reaching out to them to give them a call and talk to them about their company. I love that. And of course, we're, we're ranking different things, right? This is the, the fastest growing. Um, that does tend to, the ink list definitely trends toward things that are just starting up or or maybe had a uh, went dark and came under another name. Like, I, I mean, of course, you're going to grow thousands of percent from, you know, zero to three or zero to two uh, years versus some of the companies that have been in business for so long. It's not that they're not growing, but as a percentage, it, it really works against them to be a long-term company. Yeah, and we do have our Game Changers. The Real Trends Game Changers is a look at five-year growth um, by trans- transaction side percentage. And three of the companies on the Inc. 5000 were actually named Game Changers this year by Real Trends. And there are only, I think, 16 Game Changers total uh, in total. So that was pretty impressive that three of them were also on this Inc. 5000 list. Um, it was Lamakia Realty, and they were on the Game Changers list two years in a row. Professional Realty Services International, and then Realty Group out of um, Minneapolis. So that was impressive. That's interesting to see the the overlap there, right? Are there any things that surprised you besides the, that one company, Dash? Is there anything else that surprised you? you were like, wow, I, I didn't know that on the Inc. list? Um. 
Yeah, the the Bluefield Realty Group, um, they're currently not in the rankings, and it doesn't mean that they didn't rank high enough to be in the rankings. They probably did not enter the rankings. So I think this is an opportunity for that company to really um, get some recognition through real trends as well. And then United Real Estate Group, which in our rankings is ranked number eight by sides in the Real Trends um, 500. And they actually were fourth fastest growing of the real estate brokerages listed in the Inc. 5000. Um, of course, they're, they are a low fee um, or flat fee brokerage. And they also have had some big mergers um, lately with Pearson Smith Realty and then Me Homes. Um, Realty in New York City or in Long Island. And so they've been very, very active in M&A. Um, so that's really no surprise that they they rank so high. And this is non-public companies. So a lot of the public companies obviously are not included in the Inc. 5000. That's a great thing to note. Um, when it comes to teams, I know that we take a, you know, a different look at teams. Tell me, you know, teams seem like one of the themes of this year to me in your coverage and what you're looking at, what you're asking about the surveys. So tell us a little bit about what you, you know, the the teams that made it and what that meant to you. Sure. So some of the teams that were in the list, um, Mark Spain Real Estate, and he runs, um, I believe he runs more of a teamerage. So a team brokerage. um, I like that that word, teamerage. (laughs) Yes. Um, In Power Home. And this is Sarah Reynolds. And she and her mom have a team. And then they've expanded that team into Empower Home. And now they have mortgage and title. And she's just done a great job of expanding that company. And then the Heil Group of Keller Williams Realty. And we just did a podcast with Tim Heil. He founded a new company called Homeward, which is more of a power buyer type of company that they they work with financing and helping um, the buy before you sell product. But he is the CEO and founder of that company. And then he's pulled out of the Heil Group pretty much, but he's still um, his name is still affiliated with it. And then the Rosen team, um, that's an EXP Realty team. And they weren't listed in our rankings either. So um, I made sure that they know to enter our rankings for next year. But I think the concept of team has evolved so much in the, you know, the past 10 years. And teams have always been a little bit of a bugaboo for brokerages. They're not sure what to do with them. You know, you've got this team coming in and they might end up... um, being a huge portion of doing a huge portion of the sales for that brokerage, um, they get compensated sometimes really well, and they need different services than an agent does. So brokers have kind of struggled with that concept in the past, but they're really starting to embrace it. Now, um, Keller Williams was one that embraced teams very early and managed to find a way to um, really help these teams succeed. But now you've also got these whole platforms that will allow a team to grow underneath their brokerage. Um, there's place, uh, Keller Williams has Livian, which so it's only Keller Williams teams are under the Livian platform. And these are kind of lead generation and support platforms for them. 
And then you've got side real estate, which offers a white label background product that allows teams to thrive under their name, but not, not actually being a brokerage. And it was interesting. I got quite a few emails from the Real Trends Daily article that I did about the teams. And really, it was a mixed bag. I've got some consultants telling me that they have more, more teams than ever coming to them wanting to transition to a brokerage. And then I got on the flip side, I had people saying, I really want to start a team. And I don't even know where to start because my broker really isn't helping me. Um, and then I, then there's some people in the middle who they would do it no other way than to have a team underneath a brokerage um, and use that brokerage for support. And they really feel supported by the broker. So it's a, it was really an interesting look at what's going on in the team world. I also would think that it really depends on um, the team and the brokerage um, on how, on what kind of technology they have available and how, how much that technology is being adopted. Do you have early, you know, do you have people who are like tech natives who feel like, oh, this is, you know, they don't need that. I know there are, there are expensive programs that um, probably your individual agent can't do, but what kind of technology do they feel like is the game changer? Well, it was interesting at the Gathering of Eagles this year, we had um, team leaders come on and talk about what they, what they want from their brokerage. And when it comes to technology, it's not that the broker isn't offering a technology platform. It's that a lot of times the team leaders have felt like it's not conducive to the way they want to run their team. And part of that is little things like I can't have three team leaders or team members sign on at the same time. Um, it could be as simple as that. So a lot of them end up going outside and, and building their own platform. So with a brokerage platform, um, the team leaders are really looking for the broker to work as a partner with them. And they are looking, you know, when they're building these technology platforms, that they would love to be able to offer feedback into some of the, some of the um, enhancements that they have because they have different needs than an individual agent. And a lot of brokers have, have definitely kept their teams as partners. And in fact, what Teresa Howe is a brokerage consultant, and she wrote an article for Real Trends recently on the future of teams. And she talked about how Compass and Remax are actually creating specific programs to kind of attract, grow, and retain large teams. And they're going to offer them education, improved technology, and um, especially the Remax pilot program. So I think a lot of brokers are realizing this and really shifting their, their business models to incorporate teams and provide the services that teams really need to thrive and in turn, help the brokerage thrive. It's a great point. I mean, it's something that brokerage have to figure out or they're going to lose out, right? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Especially, um, you know, there are some smaller, more boutique brokerages that probably aren't going to have to really do a whole lot with the teams. And then there are, are the, you know, the ones that like the teamerage that I said, who, you know, they're building a brokerage. Um, they are actually a broker and they're, but their brokerage works as a team. Um, and the broker provides the lead generation for them. So there are a lot of different models out there. 
it's going to be exciting to look at that. I didn't want to um, stop talking about rankings before we recognize the LGBTQ plus real estate alliance rankings. Um, yes. That were released this week too. And that's exciting. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a real trends partnering with the alliance, correct? Yes, we partner with the Alliance. I think this is probably the second or third year in a row to announce, to really announce and honor those who are members of the LGBTQ plus real estate Alliance. And um, the top ranked agent and team was uh, Shirley Gary of Engel and Volker's Buckhead, Atlanta. This was, I think, her second year leading the LGBTQ plus real estate Alliance rankings. And then the team was Easy Sales Team with Keller Williams Cityside in Ohio. So, yes, we definitely like to recognize them. And um, it's really an exciting partnership when we partner up with the Real Estate Alliance to, to recognize these agents. And like some of our other uh, rankings program, you look at sides and at volume, correct? Yes, we do. We look at both transaction sides and sales volume and um, rank them individually by each. And it, it sounds like um, Anywhere is a partner of the Alliance, correct? Like it's sponsored by Anywhere? Yes, it is sponsored by Anywhere. Which is better known as Realogy. Yes. <laughs> I, I know we're not supposed to say Realogy anymore, but like some people will still be like Anywhere. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> they will be eventually be known yes, as Anywhere. We can say Realogy as well. Um, yeah. Well, that there's a lot of news we've already covered, but there's still a lot going on in the real estate space. And a lot of that is, um, What's happening with buyers? You know, we know that things are shifting pretty quickly now, and especially in different locations. You do have some places cooling off. One of the stories um, that you have on Real Trends right now is the fact that you have more buyers pulling out of contracts. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, real estate reporter Brooklyn Hahn pulled this together um, from a, a Redfin report that found that it's roughly 63,000 deals under contract fell through in July nationwide. And some of the reasons obviously were uh, qualifying because of higher in, uh, mortgage rates, maybe the, uh, and if they didn't lock in their rate, these buyers did not qualify for the homes. But it was really interesting. The buyers are now adding more contingencies for a while because there were so many multiple offers. Buyers were just, you know, waiving all contingencies and saying, you know, I'm going to, take the house, you know, I don't as is, and I'm going to waive my, the appraisal. I'm going to waive, you know, whatever it is. And it seems like buyers um, are starting to get the upper hand a little bit. So they are starting to add contingencies in, but it's going to take a little time for the, the market to really catch up because they're so used to, sellers are so used to just, um, you know, selling over list price and you're receiving multiple offers. And in some areas that's still happening, but in other areas, they're really um, agents are, are struggling to educate their sellers on, you know, this is what you should expect. And they, they try, but, you know, sellers always have a, a expectation of what their home should sell for. And we're finding more price reductions and, um, definitely some more contingencies added to the contracts. And I think if you look at the price reductions, it could very well be not that there isn't demand, but there's not demand at that price point. So the fact that, you know, that that speaks to me to like, it was overpriced in the first place, potentially. And especially if you have sellers who they paid, you know, they, they're sort of, you know, 
they're not like us. We're not, we're obsessed with real estate. We're looking at this every single day. We know ex- I could tell exactly when the market turned in when I was selling a house in June. Uh, I listed it in May. And I mean, the market turned within like a 10 day period and, and you could totally see it. If you're not someone who's obsessed like we are, uh, you know, if you're just your average seller, you, those headlines that were really the spring headlines and last mm-hmm. year's headlines are still playing in your head. Those aren't the headlines mostly from the summer. Absolutely. And um, real estate agents are really working hard to price, to, you know, to help these sellers price their homes uh, correctly. And it's a struggle because, you know, the, the sellers are used to seeing, oh, well, my neighbor, you know, three weeks ago sold their house above list and had five offers on it, let's say. And that's changing very quickly. So what happens a lot in a lot of cases is that um, to get the listing, agents are agents kind of work and and come to a happy medium for the price. And if that ends up being too high, they work very quickly like within if they don't get a lot of interest in that home within the first 10 days or so they work with the seller on on a price reduction and possibly put it in a different bracket, a price bracket that more people are interested in looking at, um, you know, where there's more interest. So. So that's a perfect segue into the next story I wanted to talk about, which was demand for lowest priced homes strongest as the market shifts. And I think that's exactly what you were saying, which is, you know, some of those people who were looking for uh, houses at a certain price point, when the interest rates went up, they're they're locked out of that. Now they're looking for houses in a different price point. And, you know, throughout the pandemic period or all of 2021, it was the mid and high priced, higher priced homes that saw the most competition. But that's not the case now. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that demand for the affordable housing has has consistently um, been there, and with prices skyrocketing so much, it's it's really priced a lot of people out of the market. So as prices are coming down just a little bit, I think more people are maybe able to get into the market. Um, you know, all things considered. So so yeah, I think that we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see a big increase in housing affordability, but the demand is definitely there for the lower priced homes um, to get into. Tracy, thanks so much for being on. It's always a pleasure. I would encourage our listeners to go to realtrends.com for some of this content. And also, if you are in the real estate profession, realtrends.com has a lot of what we call service journalism, which is really like, here's how to work on your business. Here's how to do your business better. So it's it's news for sure. It's information. It's also this kind of things, uh, the kind of articles that can really help you as you're trying to grow your business, be better at your job. And I think that's really a distinctive of Real Trends. So Tracy, thanks for being on. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, 
member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. We'll see you back here on Monday for more news and insight.